0: Thank <sniffs> you. Hola and welcome. Bienvenidos, bienvenidas y bienvenidos a todas. You are listening to The Latino Card on Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell, Boise. My name is Rebecca De Leon and I am with the Idaho Press. My co-host, JJ Saldana, is unfortunately not here with us today. He is um, doing actual grown-up person work. Um, He works for the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs, and so he is traveling. I believe he is in Gooding today, so he could not be here with us. Um, So we're going to have a nice, intimate conversation with somebody very special. I would like to introduce everybody to my very special guest, Ty Simpson. Hello, Ty. Welcome.
1: Hola. Hello. Good afternoon.
0: (laughs) So, Ty, you are very special. Um, for many reasons. But Thank one you. of those reasons is that you are one of just two guests that have been on the Latino card who is not Latina or Latino or Latinx. So, congratulations. Thanks.
1: <laughs> number two. coming in, number two.
0: That's what's up. Our first guest was um, Jose Antonio Vargas, and he is a Filipino um, undocumented person, and he is very well known um, nationally. And so, I guess we allowed him on the show because. Yes, we allowed he, him. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> like, he had to beg, but we allowed him. Um, So, Ty, since you're not Latina, what are you, who are you, where are you from? (laughs) What makes Uh, you think you can be on our show?
1: (laughs) What makes me think I can be here? Well, um, you know, you work from home for two days and forget who you are.
0: Uh, (laughs) We've all crawled out of a cave just to do this show for you guys.
1: (laughs) I am a citizen of the Nimipu Nation, or Nez Perce Nation of Idaho um, and beyond. I always say of Idaho, as if our ancestral homelands aren't more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also a black woman, for those of you who cannot see me. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm a social change advocate with the Idaho Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence, as well as an organizer with the Indigenous Idaho Alliance, um i think that i'm here to offer a perspective from community organizing that connects all folks of color, color indigenous black, brown, etc. And especially as it relates to some of this anti-violence work, the community organizing work, it's so important to recognize we have more in common than not. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why you and I connect the way that we do. I've always invited JJ to what is considered typically Native American events because indigenous is a worldwide community. Um, And so my work also entails um, Missing and murdered Indigenous people, Indigenous women, and Indigenous includes North and Southern, Northern and Southern Indigenous folks. So I think that's the, what I can add to the discussion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I, um want to certainly, like, before I dig super deep into this, recognize, like, the family that I am a member of. I'm a descendant of Tamina Ilp Ilp, or Chief Red Heart, of the Nez Perce Nation, and I am a daughter and granddaughter and niece of several powerful matriarchs, all love, all fury, and that really fuels this work that I'm doing, uh, in addition to um, being a Simpson. And that's not necessarily um kinship model on the black side of my family in the same way as it is on my indigenous side but it's been really important for me to like story myself into a space now where i'm bringing these experiences and these families and people who support me i'm not doing any of this work alone at all and like not not one of us can claim success in in any of our organizing work because we've done it so collectively so i think it's important to name some of those folks Um, my sister melanie is a big part of that um also you know, I've really been galvanized in this work by a grassroots organizer. She's based out of Tacoma. Uh, her name is, oh, why is her name losing me? Oh, Roxanne White. Sorry. She's <laughs> And she really is so great because she reminds us that folks have been doing a lot of this community organizing grassroots work, especially as it relates to Indigenous women, for, for decades. And mm-hmm. so it's important to recognize that I, I know who I'm taking my lead from. Uh, In addition to, um, there's some other researchers that are super nerdy in this work, but also very, (laughs) like, they come with their entire selves. There's no lines between professional and personal in a lot of this work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I studied at Boise State. I studied political philosophy and sociology. Uh, it wasn't until recently that I actively started getting paid for that knowledge right like it's really interesting you're like go to college go to college and it took 10 years for me to finally like do something associated with that I mean you always use the skill set you always have the knowledge but to use that framework very deliberately now um, it took took damn near 10 years can I say damn?
0: Well you just did (laughs) so here we are
1: (laughs) here we are (laughs) unapologetic damn y'all um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have lived in or around Boise for the better part of the last 15 years. I did go home to the reservation a couple of times. Um, one, because there was a partner and I thought I was in love, but I dodged that bullet, thankfully. Oh, gosh. And then uh, another time because I had been sick. So there, <laughs> there's always reasons to migrate up and down. But I feel at mm-hmm. home because I am so close to my ancestral homeland. So Idaho, more or less, the Northwest, more or less, is is the home, is my home.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, and and... I'm I'm so happy that you are here on so many reasons. Like I'm so happy that you're here in the Treasure Valley, doing the kind of work that you do because I have bumped into you I think in a, a whole bunch of different circles and in different circumstances and yeah. you always conduct yourself with like i mean you just command respect in every room that you go into and not like that jerky way of doing it of, like i have arrived you guys should all bow down <laughs> no. to me not at all like you have this quiet just power and people are just always in awe of you oh thank and- you i
1: love <laughs> thank you that like just oh the feels i haven't been feeling my feels well so i'm super oh. emotional the last couple of days uh I think what you're talking to, and this again goes back to that recognition of being from a matriarchy, when I walk into a room, I'm not carrying only my own life, I'm carrying hundreds of years of ancestral power, right? And I learning to lean into that and learning to stand on that is been um, tantamount for this work. And, and, and it's good to hear that people feel it right because it's daunting to some and intimidating to some but others are like who is she And yeah. I'm like, well let me let me tell you who I am and then you can build the relationships from there right
0: it's incredible know. it's it's just this incredible spirit that you do bring around with you so how do you do that how do you stay so connected to your ancestors I mean if it were easy I would think that we would all do it but it seems like you're the only one that walks this earth with a thousand people Above you. Yeah,
1: there's around me, in me, um, I, oh, goodness, this, I'm going to lean a little bit into uh, discussions about religion a little bit. I've always raised very, very spiritually. Um, my mom modeled it my whole life, and I didn't realize what she was doing until I was an adult. My aunties, my gram all modeled this level of spirituality that connected us to the earth and to rivers and to air and even really love the weather, right? It, regardless, and that's an it's, it's a simple example, but I'll expand on that. Mm-hmm. When we often complain like, "Oh, the rainy days or oh it 's so cold outside or my, i don 't recall my family ever really complaining about those things because they are our natural part of our seasons, and nature moves that way also. we have these natural parts of our lives as seasons, and so really kind of leaning into that that spirituality that way helps. And then it also um, puts us in this very vulnerable, open position, like this open place as a human to really let our ancestors in, right? And that level of openness, especially this year, has like leveled my whole life up in a way I couldn't imagine. But it's also openness, right? It's terrifying. My feelings get hurt. Like I'm always vacillating between like huge joy and huge gratitude with like, also with despair and fear and I have to carry all of these things because sometimes it's not, not mine, right? Sometimes it's grief that's been passed on to me and I don't understand why I'm feeling it, but that's that openness I get from knowing how I can move in the world, embracing that I also have these ancestors with me. And so, it, and it's every day it's a struggle like because you have to be very deliberate and intentional about moving this way. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And that was yeah. another question that I had, um, you know, assimilation or being colonized these are all kind of the words that we often use um to describe what has happened to indigenous cultures Mm -hmm. um so how is it that you have seemed to somehow escape um assimilation because and we'll get more to this later on in the show but i mean you know people who are from mexico there's a lot of indigenous people in Mexico also mm. who who were colonized, and Spanish is a colonized language. Yeah, and so, um, you know, but we have lost, especially people from Mexico who came to the United States have are several layers, several layers removed from their indigenous roots. And it's you know learn Spanish, which is a colonized language, and then it's like learn English, which is another colonizer mm-hmm. language, and then it's act a certain way and it's speak a certain way, um, you know. And so we do that to survive. How is it that you seem to rise above? all of that
1: oh goodness it's also again that's going back to a struggle and thank you you're, you're giving me a lot of credit than i than i would ever acknowledge for myself <laughs> well, i'm a fangirl oh uh, thank you so much um i i am a, a indigenous futurist and i believe wholeheartedly in decolonization that um even in times of crisis nature nature has us taken care of right and if we are meant to be it'll things things work out as they should um That assimilation piece is difficult, though. I speak standard English. My dad made sure we went to predominantly white institutions in predominantly white neighborhoods. Like He was very deliberate about doing his best to give us tools that he believed would allow us to be successful. While on the other hand, my mom just reminded us, she's like, you know, whatever you decide to do with these tools, people believe you and love you. So I had a really great balance that way. It wasn't, I think, until the last two or three years when I really started to embrace the idea of decolonizing and what that could look like in my personal life, what that looks and feels like in my relationships to folks. And it is also very... Like, people don't realize... how difficult it is, right? Especially in other relationships. When you start talking about decolonization, people kind of glaze over, like, I right. have no idea what that means. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a place of fear. We only know socialized, you know, like these social mores that we're taught, act this way, walk this way, talk this way. Um, how do we undo that? And its it really is moment by moment. Like I thought about straightening my hair today. That's a colonized thing, right? My hair is my <laughs> hair, I should just let it do its thing. Um, the way that I speak in certain circles is also uh, a decolonized thing, who I talk to. In Indian country, and when I say Indian country, I mean specifically like uh, United States, Native American tribes, as we know them now. Mm -hmm. um, We have this really interesting transition that we're moving through where young folks are really embracing their language and their culture and rejuvenating it and revitalizing it. But there's also this generation in there, and I believe it's the generation, some of them, who carry trauma from like the boarding school era or the era where it was not safe to practice culture and speak the language. So um, we're told, and we kind of share these memes across the internet of like, if you, whether you speak one word of your language, your indigenous language, or you speak a thousand, your ancestors hear you. And so even remembering Mm -hmm. that, like, I'm not doing this for me or for what it looks like. It's for, it's to honor ancestors and the sacrifices that they made. So whether I know a handful of the words or I know all of the words, I will still speak the words every day in prayer or in ceremony or even to my mom when I talk to her. And then what happens is the young folks who sit and listen and hear that now know that it's normalized to speak these languages and to behave in a way that honors our ancestors and protects nature and that our culture is very strong and also a very deliberate piece by piece way of living. Um, and it is, it is so difficult because it's the, it's the easy thing to assimilate, to just make people comfortable around me. I'm realizing now when I walk into a room with these ants, everybody's always uncomfortable at least for a little while, right? I mean, if we go back to the gala a couple of weeks ago, I made a lot yes. of people uncomfortable. For what I could see, <laughs> oh. I made people uncomfortable with that speech. Yes. Um, and I
0: I want to talk about that gala. Yes. Um, however, <laughs> let us tantalize people with what you just mentioned here after this commercial break. Um, so don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about some crazy stuff soon.
1: All the crazies. <laughs>
0: hi welcome back um this is the latino card if you're just tuning in uh my name is rebecca de Leon, and i am here with the lovely ty simpson we have had a really nice discussion so far um so ty is um of the first people is that first I nations first indigenous nations, yeah. indigenous um so she is not latina but we're allowing her on our podcast anyway <laughs> i'm
1: so happy to be here
0: <laughs> sorry this isn't a podcast we're live it's it's what I was. It's it's a transition. Um so the last thing that we mentioned was um the gala. It is the gala. So recently um <laughs> there was ambiguity, <laughs> I like that. The gala. Yeah. The gala. There and I'm this is just one of like, you know, all of the times that I have like bumped into you somewhere. You always just dominate the show with <laughs> awesomeness. I mean, it's it's incredible. So recently, we we both attended. Um, it was the Democratic Party fundraising gala, I believe it was. Yeah, the
1: Idaho Democrats. Yes. Yeah, their fu- their annual fundraiser for sure. Yeah, and it turned into a political rally, which is fine. <laughs> which is fine. I guess that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's true. There was. Um, there was, there was a little bit of drama around it, because I think Pete Buttigieg was originally going to come, and then he dropped out, and then they had Elizabeth Warren, who was going to come, and then she dropped out. Um, and so we ended up having a representative, Pramila Jayapal, from uh, Washington, and uh, Michelle Kwan, who is a, what did they call her, a surrogate for Joe Biden?
1: Surrogate for jo- Joe Biden, yes. Yeah, and Pramila yeah. was there. I think they were both surrogates, one for Joe Biden, right, one, one for... for
0: um, Bernie Sanders. I keep wanting to call him Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Bernie, <laughs> Uncle Bernie, and Uncle Joe. Oh, whatever. Goodness. So they they decided to have Ty kick it off. There were like I don't know two thousand people. Uh, at this It, the it like, you know,
1: what's funny about that? I was expecting a couple of hundred. No big deal. Like, oh yeah, yeah I talk in front of a couple hundred at a time. Same. Walk in. I guess there was 11, 11, 1200 people in the room. Oh yeah, all yeah. Fancy and yeah. Man, they were loud at first. Like, yeah, can't believe that level of disrespect that they just won't. Yes, be quiet I was. For the MC, it's mind blowing. Furious for you. Oh, it's okay. um, I was furious for Alicia. Is that her name? Who was yeah, the actual MC? The MC also.
0: Um, oh. So so to catch up the people who weren't there. <laughs> uh, the, ga- the gala kicks off, you know, they had a couple hours, I guess, of like networking, having drinks, you know, schmoozing, whatever, Political schmooze. getting the COVID ID, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: Co- COVID-19. <laughs> a fantastic place to spread it for <laughs> yeah. sure. Oh my gosh. Oh,
0: no. So we're all schmoozing and then it's time for the gala to start. Um, and everyone is standing and talking. There's, I mean, it's just this Unru- not, it wasn't unruly, but it's just this giant crowd of so many people, yeah, yeah. and they've just been in the middle of their conversations, and so we're trying to settle them down. The gala is about to start, and it's all on you, Ty, in a way, yeah. to sit everybody down, shut them up, so that you can can do this. Like um, I don't know what what, oh, what you is would it? call Invo- it. Invocation. Invocation. Yeah. Yes. So the invocation. So respecting the land that we're standing on, and people would not give you attention and yeah. i mean
1: if i had had table numbers i would have called out the table numbers um and i did i i think deliberately taking those awkward few minutes and calling them out every few seconds like is this really what we're going to do all night like that mm-hmm. is so rude and very there's, disrespectful there's, there's a level of like self-righteousness in them carrying on conversations yes regardless of who's especially when it's women or women of color on stage Mm -hmm. that were so easily silenced and so easily disregarded so in that moment I had actually started my invocation and then stopped and then got everybody's attention and then kept it going but that was really I've never experienced anything like that such a Disrespectful, really? loud audience.
0: It like, was it was terrible. Yeah. I was furious. I was trying to shush people around me. I was like, hey. Yeah. And I think that it was so great. Yeah, I mean, you did it with a smile. You were graceful and mm-hmm. you were like, I'm gonna stand up here for all as long night. as it needs <laughs> for you <laughs> all, all night to shut up. <laughs> oh and I was like goodness. oh and I was like, everybody stop and they wouldn't stop. They mm-hmm. wouldn't shut up. Yeah. And um I think eventually they did. Mm -hmm. and they all shut up and they all listen to you eventually but eventually i mean i think it could have only been like the power of your presence that to to do that because I mean even the MC was like she's trying to get everybody she She, couldn't do it either and she just passed it off to you so that's quite all right that was very disrespectful I did not like that one bit I was very angry for a very long time after that (laughs) (laughs) That and this is why
1: and this is what we go up against in this work anyway right that somehow what we're championing or what we advocate for isn't worth their while. They could be talking about things that are, um, you know, I never mean to judge folks, but things that are not as significant in the big picture of the world but still that conversation that they were having with themselves or amongst themselves was significantly more important than acknowledging the land than recognizing where we're at in the world and the work that we still have to do to build community and if that's not the whole point of a governing body right or a political party within that governing body this is and uh, even beforehand i don't necessarily ascribe to this two-party system that we have we don't um I I feel like it's problematic. I feel like it's toxic. And if the behavior in the room for folks on an individual level like that is any indication, this is what we're going up against. And these folks were all presumably on the same team. Right. And I still have to get them to shut up just to listen. Mm. And for hundreds of years, my folks have been silenced in one way or another. It was violently in the past. Now it was just the blatant disrespect at this gala. Like it's we have work to do. Everybody has work to do with regards to centering and amplifying the voices of folks who are most marginalized or impacted by marginalization.
0: You're so right. I yeah. mean, what what a metaphor. What yeah. a metaphor for what's actually <laughs> yeah. happening right now, right? Yeah. 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 That's How- all I kept thinking on
1: stage actually is like this is this is why we have problems. This is why we can't have nice things, y'all. Right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you did not. I mean, you are obviously um, just like you know, I'm going to stand my ground, but you didn't come off as irritated. You came off as as like a patient mother. You know, when her mm. kids throwing a tantrum.
1: That's so funny that you say that because I really don't like kids. Don't tell people.
0: <laughs> It'll be just between you and me, just and no one else. Yeah,
1: nobody else heard that. <laughs> <laughs> the irony of that yes. being that patient mother. Yeah, <laughs> but they only it drains me. Moments like that oh, drain me of absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I mean, and and kind of going a little more into that. It, tell me a little bit more about the voiceless women and missing and murdered indigenous people and, and the work that you're doing with that Um, we're going to break soon, so give us like a little sneak preview. The
1: sneak preview. um, There are approximately 5,700 cases of missing indigenous women in the United States. We believe that number to be significantly underreported. So there has been efforts over the past several decades to um, coordinate solutions at a grassroots level because we're seeing barriers to justice at systemic levels. So my work specifically is about how can I organize and address the issue in idaho um what partners and collaboration can we build between these organizers between coalitions between tribal leadership and um other state agencies so it gets it gets very there's a lot of stakeholders and but there's also a lot at stake literal lives are at stake
0: and recently um I, i spotted you at the at the capitol um And you were advocating for, I think it was a proclamation for a day. Am I right? Um, Oh, so that must have been back in October.
1: Yes, October was, was it October? Because I've been in the Capitol a lot. October 14th, (laughs) we successfully um, hosted a Idaho Indigenous Peoples Day proclamation ceremony. Um, And then there was a subsequent meal after that. More recently, my work in the Capitol is around um, House Concurrent Resolution 33, introduced Mm -hmm. by um, Caroline Nilsson-Troy from up in Genesee area okay around um Uh, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Peoples Day in Idaho, and then bringing some awareness and education to the issue, as well as ensuring that, you know, moving forward, we have statewide partnership and recognition to the issue with Idaho tribes and Native folks who are in Idaho who are not from Idaho tribes, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah. I have um, about 150 million questions for that. Um, But we will get to one of them (laughs) after this commercial break. So don't go anywhere. Sounds good. Hello, and welcome back to the Latino Card on Radio Boise. Um, my name is Rebecca De Leon, and I am having an awesome conversation with Ty Simpson. Um, so Ty, when we last talked forever ago, it was like a whole 45 seconds ago, <laughs> we were talking about uh, some of the work that you do um, advocating for missing and murdered indigenous women. So when did you start doing this work, and why is it important for us to know about it if we're not indigenous? I mean... That's. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that
1: because you are indigenous. Um, so I've been an organizer in the community as a anti-racism, anti-oppression activist and educator for a long time. I think 10 to 15 years and it's been sort of ad hoc and it's been informal but that's always been the work Um, whether it's teaching about history cultural relevancy or contemporary issues helping to plan and contribute to powwows community organizing within the Native American community and the missing and murdered indigenous women or the indigenous people effort is a culmination of so many systemic oppressions. Right. And it's the culmination of hundreds of years of colonization and violence committed against indigenous folks. So while I'm addressing oppression and racism, the, the singular issue, oddly enough, is like the intersection of all of that. What is um, folks' access to health care? What is folks' um, access to... Um, law enforcement? And does that law enforcement have integrity? Do they have access to victim service provision? Does that victim service provider have cultural relevancy knowledge to be able to support these indigenous women? What does healing look like? Do we create healing spaces? Um, Are we preparing our children to endure and prevent their loss, their abduction? Um, do they know how to recognize abuse? And and so really, like, it's all of these pieces, moving parts within this one singular issue. And so I just kind of took it up after, you know, a handful of folks in the community started uh, wanting to start having conversations about it. And then it's been more formalized than um, at the At the coalition. And then so there are also other community folks that are really driving that force, but also keeping me accountable too. So what happens is if um, I take on too much or if I do or say the wrong thing that isn't in the best interest of the community or serving the community, somebody does call that out. And I think that's one of the things that I love the most about being in a Native community is the community accountability, that I am not doing this work alone at all. I have mentors, I have guidance, I have feedback. And to ensure that we're not doing more harm in our communities that's that's how it's done that's the decolonized way of doing this work
0: um
1: indigenousness like i said is worldwide um northern southern indigenous it doesn't matter we are all equally at risk for abduction we do know that in some of the southwestern predominantly southwestern states of this country the missing and murdered indigenous women count is askew because they will be um misclassified racially. So a lot of those Mm -hmm. nations down there have adopted Latinx names, last names, right? So if that's the case, and then this young woman goes missing, she may be enrolled in the Dede Nation or one of the Hopi Nations or one of the Pueblo Nations, but have a hispan, sorry, have a Latinx last name, a Spanish last name. And so the police will identify her as Hispanic non-white in their missing persons report when in fact she's Native American enrolled indigenous. Right. And then there are some in Seattle. uh, My understanding is that the police department there was classifying Native American women as black rather than their own classification system. And this is very problematic because this is why we can't find our women if they do go missing or if they are murdered or if we're going through cold cases and they're identified as black and they're actually indigenous. You know, what is that? Mm -hmm. What are the repercussions of that? So those are a lot of the questions that we're answering. Asking and looking for solutions towards. So the short answer to your question about how are we all connected, I think that the colonization and the affliction of violence against indigenous folks is across the board for women of color in general. These systems are very violent and they are dehumanizing. And so if we work collaboratively in our communities to ensure that there are prevention and response mechanisms, um, that we're really amplifying these voices of folks who have Survived. Um, I think that there is a huge possibility of shifting cultural narratives for both Latinx communities and indigenous communities or Native American communities, as well as, um, you know. Creating a community that our young people in the future will be able to thrive in where it's no longer oh well so and so is latinx and i am native american like no we are community brown community and our Mm -hmm. histories are parallel um the affliction of colonization is very parallel we can undo this together and that's kind of the big dream of mine as a community organizer like how can i build community with folks and i really enjoy having um Latinx mentorship in my life, which does like, it gives me a broader, a broader lens for these things that I'm not looking singularly at this one race. Um, and this one issue that we have so much interconnection, and we can learn from it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, this is a huge question, then, how how do we work together to solve all the problems? Like what, <laughs> world <laughs> peace. Solve, can you give me the solution you to world solution? peace right yeah. now, please? Uh, Thank
1: you. You know, the Indigenous Idaho Alliance, which is now formally a 501c3 nonprofit, so we'll start to do some base building and fundraising in this coming year, um, has both n- North American indigenous, um, Mexican indigenous folks at the table. And wow. so having that collaborative voice really makes for very meaningful Programming, very meaningful organization. um, Mm -hmm. And it really expanded resources, right? Because you're bringing these two communities together, and then you just expand your options even more so. Absolutely. um, Which I'm really excited about. And we don't have the solution. What we do have are folks willing to work towards the solution and work towards creating awareness around issues and work towards um, making sure that people know what their resources are in the community. If I don't have the answer, somebody at the Alliance has the answer. And that's, that's, um, being reliable that way in the community is is super important to me. And then um, ultimately, we'll see the ripple effects of this statewide, right?
0: Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we're, I, I could talk to you for <laughs>
1: I hours. could talk for hours. <laughs> I could talk for hours. I promise. Okay. Well, I could
0: <laughs> listen to you for hours. Um, but we're running up on our time, so I just have one more question for you okay. um, before we depart. Um, how can people who um, don't identify with any nation or tribe in Idaho how can they help contribute to that dream that you have of building our communities together
1: Um, are we specifically talking about our non-native predominantly white relatives in this work
0: I believe so yes
1: oh goodness they have so much learning (laughs) and that's where it starts right they have to come to this work um Knowing that allyship is a practice. It's not Mm. just an end goal. Like, hey, I'm an ally now. Love me. Give me gold stars. No, that's absolutely not how this works. Mm -hmm. We are continuously doing this work as black and brown and indigenous folks, right? Um, Which means we constantly have to be self-aware and constantly reflective, constantly seeking community feedback, um, constantly pivoting goals and ambitions and dreams for ourselves so that everybody is taken care of for my white relatives that want to join this work also having to they have to be open to that they have to be open to the fact that they're going to consistently get feedback they have to dismantle white supremacy in themselves they have to dismantle white supremacy in their work and what tends to happen is folks want proximity to our organizing right so -hmm. that they can go back to their circles of white friends and say look at this cool stuff that i've done with these brown people but that it's absolute let's that's perpetuating white supremacy and is laterally violent, right? Like, we got to really undo that. I say first step, start with the books. Read all of the books by all of the people of color and then reflect on those things. Um, when when there are, and I use this a lot, um, there are folks who show up and ask from time to time, Ty, Ti, how can I help you in this work? And I usually tell them, if you are going to show up in this room full of folks of color and tell me how aghast you are at racism and sexism and ableism and ageism. I need you to go to rooms full of white people and say exactly the same thing. And then collaborate in that room full of white people. Like, use the buddy system in this learning, right? If you Book club that. <laughs> and That's then always be willing to learn, always be willing to accept the feedback, because none of this is easy. If this were easy work, if anti-oppression, anti-violence work were easy for indigenous communities, for Latinx communities, more of us would be doing it, right? We wouldn't be, there wouldn't be shame attached to identifying who perpetrators are. There would be uh, youth, we wouldn't try to coddle the youth through this work either. We would let them lead, right? So there's our ageism problem, mm-hmm. Um so many intersections. But uh, yeah, my white brothers and sisters and non-binaries can really start with the books. Use social media intentionally. Also, follow the leaders in this work on a national level. Follow the leaders of this work on a local level so that you're always in the know. You're always getting an alternative perspective. I mean, I could really talk for hours about that. Last year, I'm thinking like Michael Vick and the dog thing. And then like the um, there was some other issues in there, too. Um, Kobe Bryant. That, that brought up a lot of issues for a lot of folks in a lot of different ways. So we need to learn how to have those conversations. And I think that following leaders in, in this work in social justice movement spaces, anti violence spaces can really change the way white folks can show up and support
0: us. I mean, that sounds like a tall order, but it also sounds so reasonable at the same yeah. time. It's... Yeah it's pretty wild um, so unfortunately we are going to have to wrap up but Ty thank you so much for your time my thank you so much for your wisdom yeah. um, it's been such a pleasure and for our listeners um, the Latino card is from 3 to 3.30pm 3 every other Tuesday right here on Radio Boise you can follow us um, on the Latino card we're mostly active on Twitter but we also have a Facebook account and uh, you can follow us at the Latino card on both of those or you can follow us individually as human beings because we do stuff like that too so again thank you ty of course it's my pleasure we'll see you all next time